As we continue our summer scripture mixtape, the selection of passages that are near and dear to each of your hearts. We give thanks to Jane for reading verse 18 of Psalm 34, the one that is near and dear to her heart. And this morning, I thought it actually might be helpful for us to hear the full breadth of the psalm. Um, it's a psalm that was written by someone who has come through a time of trial. Um, and as somebody who's nursing a back injury standing here, uh, I need these words this morning. Maybe you do too. So listen now for all of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. My praise shall be continually, his praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear them and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no such thing. Come, O oh my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from all. He keeps all their bones. None of them will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned, but the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When Anderson Cooper and Stephen Colbert 
sat down together for a conversation on Cooper's podcast, All There Is, I expected it to be funny or to address some pressing cultural or political issue, or to unpack the role of the media in today's world, I at least expected Stephen Colbert to make a joke about Anderson Cooper's hair. He did not. I expected Anderson Cooper to ask engaging questions and probably to awkwardly cry. I expected Stephen Colbert to make me laugh. That's what they do. What I did not expect was a conversation among two grown men about grief and loss and suffering and faith. But that's what they served up for us. This peek behind the veil of two highly visible celebrities who it turns out are also deeply human. Their conversation came on the heels of Anderson's, the death of Anderson's mother. And so you could see in the interview that the, his grief was just still really on the surface. But both of these men had experienced tragedies in their life that meant that grief was an unwelcome but old friend. Stephen Colbert is the youngest of 11 siblings, and he lost his father and two of his brothers, Peter and Paul, at the age of 10 in a plane crash. When Cooper was 10, he lost his dad to a heart attack, and then 10 years later, lost his brother to suicide. They know a kind of grief that most of us would prefer never to learn. And the whole conversation is poignant, and it's worth a listen. I highly commend it to you. But what struck me in the course of this conversation was Colbert's wisdom about gratitude and trust in God despite everything he had been through. Tragedy, especially at a really young age, can totally upend one sense of self and God and faith. And Colbert said to Anderson, that the loss of his dad and his brothers shattered his life for he and his mom. And then he said, but it did not destroy us. Instead, his grief took him all kinds of unexpected places, from totally hating school, to studying philosophy, to discovering stand-up. And his journey of suffering also brought him to a deeper level of faith such that he is a deeply devout Catholic to this day. His faith had been tested, and yet he stands on the other side of all of these experiences, not with anger and frustration, but with this sense of gratitude and willingness to praise God. And in this beautiful moment between these two grieving men, Stephen Colbert said to Anderson Cooper, it is a gift to exist. And with existence comes suffering. There is no escaping that. But if you're grateful for your life, he said, then you have to be grateful for all of it. He said, I want to be the most human I can be, and that involves acknowledging and ultimately being grateful for things that I wish had never happened. And then Anderson, in his podcast voice, poses a question to himself and to us as the listener. Can we really learn to love the things we most wish had never happened? 
He asks himself, can I learn to love the death of my brother and my father, of my mother? Can I learn to love the sadness of it? Can I see those things as, God forbid, gifts? He says, it's asking a lot, isn't it? Can we be grateful for experiences of suffering? Can we, as the psalm opens, bless the Lord at all times, even when tragedy comes our way? Can we find order and meaning and hope in the midst of great loss? It turns out the psalmist would have been a really great partner on the podcast that day because the psalmist shares this same sentiment about suffering and gratitude, pain and praise that Colbert does. Psalm 34, as many psalms are, is attributed to David, and we don't know exactly what the particular circumstances were for David to write this psalm. What we do know about David is that he's someone who tried to live a faithful life, a righteous one even. But we also know that David's life was complicated like the rest of us. Despite all the goodness we can celebrate for David, sin was still present and suffering still came his way. He lives the way we live, and our best attempts at faithful living don't spare us from hard things in life. David was God's chosen one, the king of Israel. If anybody was going to get out of trouble, it was him, but David didn't get to skip over any of the hard parts of the game of life any more than the rest of us do. In fact, I think, it is precisely because David faced trials that he was able to respond with such conviction in the Psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This Psalm is not selling some kind of cheap faith to others. This is a faith that is trustworthy because it has been refined by fire. And so when David prays, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit, those words are not empty ones, but ones prayed honestly by one who has felt the nearness of God in a challenging time. Every Sunday, one of the tasks of the preaching pastor is to come up with the art that goes on the front of the bulletin cover, and so I was at work doing that task this week, and Psalm 34:18, Jane's favorite verse, kept coming up in my searches. You heard her read it so poignantly, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. It's a bold testament of faith, but I have to tell you that I get a little bit nervous when particular verses start getting commercialized, and this is one of those verses. It's the kind that has been needle-pointed on a pillow. It is all over Etsy. You can get it in wall art, greeting card, paperweight, and necklace versions if you'd like. And none of them seemed quite right because the verse taken out of context, as if we like wrapped it up like a present in a little bow and gave it to someone who was suffering, that feels empty. It's up there on the list of things maybe not to say to someone who is in the midst of pain, right after everything happens for a reason and God needed another angel. Put it on your don't say list. 
So if you're sitting here today thinking, my life is hard right now, and that promise, that verse doesn't feel true at all to me, I'm having a hard time feeling God's presence, I don't know that I can praise God at all times, then the good news for you is that there are lots of psalms in the Psalter. And there are more psalms of lament than there are any other, and so there are other words to lean into. But put into context, from the lips of one who has come through challenge, who offers this testimony, then then those words have deep, deep power. And maybe, just maybe, they become a source of hope. You see, this psalm is in many ways a testimony. The psalm bears witness to a God who is worthy of praise precisely because God heard the cries of the suffering. The psalmist, much like Stephen Colbert, has found a way to be grateful to God and to praise God for all his life, even and perhaps especially the hard parts. Because God heard and saw and rescued him in a time of trouble. Scholar James Mead says that whatever the outcome of a particular experience of persecution, grief, or pain, this psalm points to God's nature as a rescuer to offer hope and peace. But it matters who's offering the testimony. In our Monday Morning Partner with a Preacher conversation, Jane shared that this psalm The verse you heard her read had special meaning for her. She came to know this verse as scripture because her friend shared those words as part of the obituary for her friend's child after she died tragically. The grieving parents shared God's promise from this psalm. The Lord draws near to the brokenhearted because that was what helped them through such a deep loss. Just like the psalmist, they learned and knew what it was to stand in the presence of God and give praise in light of their pain because they had felt the presence of the Lord in a time of trial. It matters who is offering the words of this psalm as the words themselves. We don't know exactly what David had been through when he wrote the psalm. We don't know exactly what each other have been or are going through, the wounds and pain that we carry around often very well hidden. What we do know is that this prayer comes as the testimony of one whose faith has been tested. It's a testimony that's trustworthy because it bears the battle scars of life's tragedies. The psalm offers a call to praise God because of, not in spite of, all the things that they have endured. And it's an invitation to tell the story of God's provision and protection of the ways that God offers grounding so that others might have hope. And so it makes me wonder, is this a psalm that you could share? And if so, what testimony would you offer? I realize that's a complicated question for Presbyterians. 
We are not particularly attuned to telling the story of our faith, especially the hard parts. It's hard to bear our souls to one another or to find words of faith and conviction to share. It was hard for Stephen Colbert and Anderson Cooper, and they are trained in the art of communication. But as I shared with the kids, there is a secret hidden in this psalm. When life comes undone, sometimes what we're looking for is order in chaos. We want to remember the promise and call to God in the midst of a storm. And unlike other stories in Scripture that use narrative, that use story to tell about God's goodness or God's provision, this psalm is a poem. What we don't easily know when we read the psalm in English is that this particular psalm is an acrostic poem, a poem in which the first letter of each verse spells out or follows a particular order. This psalm follows the Hebrew alphabet. Each verse begins with the next letter of the alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, just like we would say the ABCs. So when the psalmist needed a way to tell the story of God's protection in times of trial, the poet leaned back on the fundamentals, all the way back to the ABCs. He used the ABCs to give structure and order to his testimony, his call to trust and praise God. And I want to argue that the same is available to us. Our incoming elders and deacons will be asked to share their faith story in just a few weeks. Our confirmands share what they believe when they finish confirmation. And each of us, if we dare to, is equipped to testify to who we know God to be in light of all of our experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Maybe you're able to do that through the story of your life, or maybe you need a tool, a poetic device to help you bear witness to the God that you know, not just in Scripture, but in your own lived experience. So I took a stab at an acrostic poem, the ABCs of faith this week. I will be the first to tell you that I am not a poet like Julie Green or like Carolyn Cobb. My attempt does not tell the full story of my faith journey or the pain in my back this morning any more than Psalm 34 tells the full story of David. But it is a testimony of who I believe God is. And I'd like to share it with you because perhaps it will inspire you to write your own. In my life, I believe that God is abiding, bold, compassionate, discerning, and empathetic. I believe God favors the suffering. I believe God is good holy, helpful, and hears our cries that God is instrumental, just, and judges with love. I believe God keeps my going out and my coming in. I believe God is love. I believe God is more. I believe God is near to the brokenhearted, omnipresent, that God provides and protects. 
I believe God is quick to forgive. God redeems, rescues, and offers refuge. I believe God is steadfast, trustworthy, unrelenting, victorious over evil, without end, wonderful, and makes me say, wow. I believe God is the X factor. Wait suggested xenophilic, the lover of strangers. I believe God is yours and mine, and that God is zealous in love. May we hold on to that structure in the storms and share it with others when we have made it through. Amen.